You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The class of 2018 will be renowned for its middle-of-the-lineup power, but someone has to hit leadoff, and our first Hall of Famer only did it twice in 2,499 games. In 1990, the Braves made him the first picked in the draft, and in 2018, the BBWAA made this prolific switch hitter a first ballot electee, Chipper Jones. Welcome to the Hall of Fame. You can now rejoin your three pitching aces, your manager, and your general manager in Cooperstown. The Braves' third baseman spent 19 productive seasons torching National League pitching to the tune of a lifetime 303 batting average with more than 2,700 hits, including 549 doubles and 468 home runs. He topped the 100 RBI mark nine times, scored 100 or more runs eight times, hit better than 300 ten times, and had 14 seasons with at least 20 home runs. He was the National League MVP in 1999, won a batting title in 2008, was an eight-time All-Star, and a member of the 1995 World Series champion Atlanta Braves. Chipper, we'll see you in July. I would like to uh, kind of start this the same way I did the uh, conference call with the, the national media and uh, say thank you to each and every one of you guys um, from the media. I know uh, I wasn't always the most pleasant to, to be around, um, but I tried to give you guys the same respect y'all gave me. I realize you have a job to do. Um, I know that you realize that uh, we as professional athletes sometimes wear emotions on our sleeve and sometimes it's better to stay at arm's length. But, uh, um, you know, thank you guys for uh, being in my corner uh, throughout my career, my stay here in Atlanta. I also would like to thank, you know, the Braves coaching staff, Bobby and and John Sherholz, Snit. Alex, for everybody for coming out, it means a lot to to see you guys here in support of uh, of what has been just a a whirlwind day for the for the Jones family. It was it was funny. I was uh, you know after I knew the call was coming, and I think when I saw the two one two area code come up on my phone, I just completely lost all function. You know, it was uh, it was it was. Definitely waterworks time at the Jones household, but a special day. Uh, I'm glad to join, you know, my brothers, uh, Mattis Glavin and Smoltz uh, in Cooperstown and also Bobby and John. So special day, like you said, for the for the Braves organization. Okay, we have a couple of cordless mics. Uh, if you raise your hand and identify yourself uh, for Chipper, we'll get a microphone right to you. Mark? You said today was a whirlwind day, and then obviously once the announcement came, you had all the interviews right away. What was this ride like down here to the stadium when maybe, I don't want to say it set in, but but you were able to think a little bit more? 150-plus texts on my phone, you know, 20-some, you know, voicemails. Um, I guess I should be so lucky to have so many people saying congrats and and telling me, uh, you know, how they – how happy they are for me. Um, I've tried to deflect as much of this as I could because I feel like there's so many people that have a hand in it, whether you're from Pearson, Florida, whether you're from Jacksonville, Florida, 
whether you're part of the fan base of Braves country here in Atlanta. Uh, there's a ton of people that uh, I have to thank for this, and I want to include them in the celebration. There's you know, a lot of people that went into getting me to this point, and uh, I want to share it with all of them. So it, it's been an uh, emotional day. I know that uh, you know everybody out there who's texted me or called me today, I haven't been able to get back to this. It's been too much volume, but uh, I will I will certainly do my best to to reach out to each and every one of them and let them know how I feel about them. There's no words. Um, my dad my dad told me about a week ago. He said uh, I want to have the first baseball that you sign with HOF on it. So I uh, I. Th- Tonight, I, I assigned two baseballs, one to my mom. Not, I didn't address it mom. Her nickname is Blondie. That's what I call her. And, uh, and my dad's nickname is Hawk, you know. And I just put their names on it and said, we did it, you know. And then signed HOF 18. It's pretty, pretty, pretty special feeling, pretty special feeling. Bice. Tobias Wilbur, Mary Daily Journal. Chipper, who are you most looking forward to on that day of that speech? Who, you, Other than, obviously, the Braves guys, who are you most looking forward to being a part of the Hall of Fame with, like any player or manager that you kind of look up to? I think that's what's so great about going in with this particular class. I have the utmost admiration for all three of the guys um, that are going in with me. Um, I have equally as big admiration for – maybe some of the guys that just fell short. But this particular group, and in particular probably Jim Tomei, because we played against each other in AAA, and uh, that's where we first met. We've got a lot in common. We're kind of in the hunting industry, you know, on the side. So we've kind of been talking a little bit over the last, you know, couple weeks, couple months, just saying how cool it would be if we if we both went in together. So – um, but, shoot, Trevor Hoffman, you know, what he meant to San Diego um, out there for the Padres for so long, I often said he had the second coolest walk-up song of anybody in baseball. Uh, <laughs> i tell you what, and Bobby can attest, whenever Trevor came out of the bullpen and there were 80,000 people in Qualcomm Stadium and Hell's Bells came on, it was, it was pretty darn intimidating. Uh, to you as a as an opposing player, but and then you know, I mean, Vlad Guerrero, he wasn't nicknamed Vlad the Impaler for nothing. He he was a, one of those scary hitters uh, when he walked to the plate. Me as a third baseman, I couldn't play deep enough when when Vlad was was hitting. He was a threat from foul pole to foul pole. A uh, very dynamic player. So you know, you're talking about a bunch of guys that were not only um, great players, but but Hall of Fame caliber people as well in their communities, and and that's why I'm extremely proud to go on with this class. Thanks, buddy. I mean, come out here once in a while and down to spring training, uh, but you got all your hunting stuff going on. What's it like to have this? total immersion back into the game today. All of a sudden, you're the focus of all this attention and everything. It's all baseball, baseball. And it's going to be like that until at least the uh, induction. Is it, is it exciting? Is it, is it nice to be back? 
It is exciting. It's kind of weird because um, I, I have been so far removed um, f- for so long, and it's been by choice. You know, I, I mean, I love coming down here to the ballpark. You know, make a, an appearance once on homestand, you know, and, and, you know, come through the clubhouse, talk to the guys and, and whatnot, and then just watch a baseball game. Um, now to be, you know, back in the, in the spotlight, it's a little weird. I'm very happy with my life the way it is right now. I enjoy, you know, being out of the spotlight and not having the attention. Uh, but this is this is big, you know. This is this is huge, you know. I, I'd be lying if I said that I didn't dream about, you know, walking into Turner Field or here at SunTrust Park and not wanting to see my name up there in the rafters with the rest of the, the Hall of Famers and the great players that have come through here. Um, same could be said for the Hall of Fame, you know, and, and I never really thought about the Hall of Fame that much. I was too immersed in the game itself. Um, but I think as you come down to the end of your career and you start accumulating some of those big numbers and you start passing people and then all of a sudden, you you know, somebody says, dude, you're, you're going to be a Hall of Famer. And you're like, ah, whatever, you know, and, and, and then to – you know, finally there at the end, start to let some of that stuff seep in and, and wonder where your place is. Now I know. You know, today was 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 when I found out kind of where I stood. Uh, Chipper, I, uh, I don't know, growing up in the baseball life, I don't know if you recall a time when you were a, a young, cocky kid and saying, I want to be a Hall of Famer one day. And how – it's an outlandish idea when you're a child. Uh, when did you set that? Did you ever have that goal as a uh, uh, an attainable goal for you? I really, I mean, I set some personal goals every year when I came to camp. But, I mean, I, I just, I wanted to win. I wanted to win championships. And, and I wanted an opportunity to come into spring training every year and know that we had a chance to win. I knew that I, if I was one ninth of the equation that helped us win a ball game for 162 games, numbers would be there, you know. And and I could have sat there in 1995 or 96 and said, "I'm going to be a Hall of Famer." I didn't really believe it, and Bobby would have killed me if I'd have said that publicly. You know, I mean, he, Bobby was good at calling me into the principal's office whenever I needed to have a foot shoved up my rear end. Uh, but that was good, you know, it kept me grounded. And I think one of the reasons why, you know, I stayed on a straight line was because I had good players around me that kept me in check whenever I said something or did something that, you know, wasn't quite right. They pulled me aside and, and say, hey, you know, let's tone it down, let's clean it up, tone it down a little bit. And I'm forever grateful for that because, you know, I can sit here you know, and see, you know, other players and maybe they don't have the same support system that I did and maybe they're, you know, will take it to an extreme. Uh, I was never, you know, I never got to that point, which I'm I'm very grateful for because eventually I, <laughs> I would grow up and, and want to smack the young chipper upside the head. In relation to your experiences during your career, how would you compare the emotions you felt today? And then also, how did things change around 5.30? Right there, 
was no relaxed today. I mean, I will, I toss and turn all night. And, you know, I mean, I followed the trackers and whatnot. Um, so I knew where I was at, where I was trending. I knew the, you know, had a good feeling that the call would come today. But until it actually happens, um, you just, you can't fathom it. You can't believe it. Um, woke up after maybe a few hours of sleep and, I'm like, I got to get out of the house. I want to go eat breakfast. You know, uh, BB and Taylor and I went out and went down to Avalon and had us a nice brunch. And you know, I mean, I, I think one guy at the at the, you know, where the valet was said, came up and shook my hand and said, "Hey, good luck today." You know, everybody else was just kind of minding their own business. You know, which was cool. You know, I like I like kind of. Passing in anonymity from time to time. Um, I don't know how else to to describe today. It's just uh, it was a blur, to be honest with you. I knew that today was going to be a day that you know possibly changed my life forever. You have a, a handful of instances during the course of your life where you know something happens where you know it's going to change your life. Obviously, marriages and kids. But professionally, you know, being drafted number one overall in 1990, it changed my life forever. Today was another one of those instances where, you know, my life will never be the same. You know, I'll never be introduced, you know, the way I used to be. It's always, you know, it's, it's going to come with a Hall of Fame behind it. When you got HOF behind, you know, your signature, that changes things abruptly. <laughs> Chipper, Grant McCauley, Sports Radio 99 The Game. Congratulations, Thank first you. of all. I know you've said in the past that as far as switch hitters are concerned, Mickey Mantle was a pretty important name in your household. 100%. Joining a group of elite switch hitters, yourself included, mm -hmm. how special is that? What does that feel like, knowing that you're joining that elite of elite company? Well, I grew up hearing about Mickey, and I got a double dose of it when I got to the big leagues because, you know, Bobby actually saw him play, you know. So, um I often went to Bobby. I was like, hey, man, just, I, I, just tell me a Mickey story. You know, I, I need to know uh, what he was like. I got a chance to meet Mickey in 1992 when I was in AA. And it's one of the only times that I ever found myself, you know, the night before practicing how I was going to meet somebody in the mirror, you know. <laughs> Mr. Mantle, Mickey, Mickey Mantle, you know, and I literally threw up on myself when I met him. You know, I mean, I couldn't couldn't say a word. Um, that's how high a pedestal this guy was on. Now, Eddie Murray was the guy that I actually had some substance with. You know, grew up watching him. I was a Cal Ripken fan. You know, I was a big shortstop, so I was a huge Cal fan. So, you know, watching the Orioles, getting to see Eddie do it from both sides of the plate for a long time. You know, I think he was 22, 23, 24 years in the league. So, um you know, the ultimate compliment for me, you know, and I think ultimately I will be identified as a third baseman who was a switch hitter. Um, that puts you in, in rarefied company, you know, and, and any time you can be lumped in with the third baseman that I'm lumped in with, whether it's Schmidt, Brooks Robinson, Brett, uh, Boggs, you know, you can go right on down the line. The switch hitter fraternity is that much smaller, and to be lumped in, 
you know, with Mickey and Eddie Murray and Pete Rose and some of the greatest switch hitters of all time, that's 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 pretty special for me. That's that's big time. Hey, Chipper, Kevin McAlpin, hey, 680 Kevin. The Fan. Congratulations. Thank you. I guess sort of to piggyback on that a little bit, when you look at the percentage total, more a higher percentage than Babe Ruth, Ted Williams. I mean, does that sort of – I mean, does that, has that, can that even sink into you yet? I mean, can you, can you even fathom that? I haven't looked at the names, you know, in and around, you know, 95 96 97%. Uh, BB told me that I was the 10th highest – of all time, which is apropos, seeing as how my whole world has revolved around the number 10. Uh, but uh, it's just like, you know, the year I was drafted, uh, I by no means thought I was the best player in that draft. It was just a matter of a certain team needing a certain type player. And I was that player for the Atlanta Braves, them having the number one pick. That's the only reason I was the first pick in the draft. Otherwise, I'd have probably, if they'd have gone with Todd Van Poppel, I'd have probably been the fifth or sixth player taken in the draft. How much different would my life, would my career have been? Um, it's the same thing today. You know, you still got a bunch of people on the fence trying to figure out whether they vote for PED users or not. You know, that splits a lot of votes. You know, there's guys that, you know, might not necessarily be first ballot Hall of Famers, but might be good candidates for second and third, you know, ballot Hall of Famers. So I think it was kind of similar in that this was just the perfect storm where, you know, myself, Jim Tomey, uh, 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 Vlad, you know, being his second year and being so close uh, to getting in last year that, that you know, I'm honored that, that I was – one of the top three guys I would imagine on most people's list. So, uh, again, tremendous honor. Uh, I, I know that there are – I'm not the best player on that ballot by any means. I will, till the day they lay me in the ground, say that Barry Bonds is the best baseball player that I've ever seen on a baseball uniform. Um, it's unfortunate that some of the best players of our era have a, you know, a cloud over them, following them, whatever. Um it doesn't doesn't change it any much, you know, any for me because I know this, and Bobby can attest because I've seen him <laughs> tear up a clubhouse in San Francisco after Barry Bonds beat us when, you know, uh, Bobby said, you know, we don't let this guy beat us under any circumstance. So uh, whenever you have that kind of moniker, uh, whenever you have that respect from other teams, you're a pretty damn good player. Um, Chipper, you mentioned Eddie Murray being somebody you follow. Now you join him on a baseball team finally. Like, mm-hmm. Have you talked to him? If not, what are you looking forward Who to? Kind of, Eddie Murray. Yes. Like, okay. What are you kind of looking forward to maybe saying to Eddie once you kind of get a chance? Know. I mean, uh, I played against Eddie in the 95 World Series when he was with the Indians. I think basically all I'm going to say to any of those guys is thank you. You know I mean? Thank you for – for being that good role model. Thank you for giving me something to shoot for. You know, I mean, uh, I think it's widely known that Mickey Mantle and, and Eddie Murray are the two best switch hitters of all time. You're talking about 500 home runs. You know, Eddie had both 500 home runs and 3,000 hits. Uh, the longevity is off the charts. Um, they did it really well for a really long time. Um, I think just thank you. Thank you for giving me 
the inspiration to become the best possible switch hitter that I could, trying to trying to live up to what they you know they accomplished in the big leagues. Chipper Corey McCartney, Fox Sports South. Congratulations. Thank you. What does this day mean to you when you think about having done it all in a Braves uniform? Certainly the numbers speak for themselves, but having done everything uh, in that Braves red, white, and blue. It's uh, extremely gratifying um, to have the rapport with your boss, a good one, a good rapport for so long. I, I can honestly say it never got close to free agency. I don't think I ever went into – the spring training of a free agent year that I wasn't re-upped, you know, uh, extended, if you will. And not many people can say that. Uh, I think that <laughs> – and it was because I had that relationship with the city, the organization, the general manager, the manager, the players on the club. I'm extremely thankful that they wanted me this long. I never wanted to play anywhere else. I'm a southern kid. It was one of the things that was so attractive to me when I signed with the Braves is that, you know, most of their minor league affiliates are here in the southeast. It was within driving distance for my family and then ultimately getting to play on a superstation when I finally made it to the big leagues. Um, but you still have to have that relationship, that give and take. Now, the Braves gave an awful lot more than I gave, but, you know, there comes a time in every person's career where you say – how much is enough, you know? And I, above everything else, wanted to stay competitive. I wanted this organization to stay competitive as long as I was here. So you, you do various things to, to make that happen, to help the organization make it happen. So I was happy to do it and I'm proud that I did it. Uh, hey, sorry. Um, I just want to clarify. Hey, sir. Um, you said you literally threw up on yourself was you mean actual spew was no, involved no i i would i would you know he mick I, I met mickey at a card show okay here in gwinnett okay and he stood up he had been signing for like an hour when i got there and he stood up and he held his hand out and he says son it's nice to meet you and i just went I mean, nothing came out. I mean, I wanted to say, hello, Mr. Mantle, you know, nice to meet you, but nothing came out. And it took me a little while um, to work up the nerve. You know, I I sat there and I watched grown men walking through the line fawning over this man, tears in their eyes. And uh, I finally got up the nerve to ask him. I said, Mickey, I go, does this this ever get old? You know, I mean, uh, how do you deal with this? How do you? keep this in perspective and he goes son I have a recurring dream he says uh, I'm standing at the pearly gates God walks up and I got this apparently I got this worried look on my face he says uh, Mickey I'm going to let you in but can you sign these dozen baseballs first (laughs) you know and I thought that was Hilarious. I mean, I, I, I died laughing when he said that, um, but that was, that was his life, you know. And uh, while I didn't get to play in New York, um, didn't get near the attention that Mickey Mantle did, I got, I got it, you know, on a smaller scale here in Atlanta. So it's, it, but it's, uh, it's been fun, quite honestly. I love meeting people. Um, you know, as long as they don't overdo it, I don't have a problem with signing an autograph or taking a picture. I think it's great. 
be honest with you, if they weren't asking, I'd be more worried. Yeah. Yeah, Chipper, you talked about uh, the moment you had with, with your parents. What about your kids and their and their reaction to having a Hall of Fame dad now? Yeah, I don't I don't so, think it's really sunk in. Uh, I did get a call from my 19 year old. He wasn't uh, he wasn't able to come down, but he called me and he said, you know, I've always been proud to be a Jones, but no none more so than today, you know. And uh, you know when. He gets it, you know. He's 19. He gets it. My 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 12 and 13 year old, you know. They, I just I'm just dad, you know. I mean, I was I don't right when I was done playing, they were six seven years old. I don't know how much they they really remember. I'm sure they do, you know. Remember coming to the ballpark and hanging out a little bit in the clubhouse, but um, yeah, I don't know how much they're gonna. I think it'll probably sink in here pretty soon. But, uh, you know, they were like, hey, Dad, when are you taking us home? You know what I mean? Tonight, after after the announcement. So, it was, you know, I think they were tired of all the, all the attention. It's pretty cool. Okay. Steve? Sure. Um, you got any message for the 12 who didn't vote for you? <laughs> well, you're – Never going to please everybody, so don't try. Uh, I realize that, uh, you know, trying to please all 430-some voters is near impossible. Um, you know, to each his own. I'm sure they each have their reasons, and, you know, you you run up against the small hall voters, you know, that might only vote for, for two or three guys. That, that shrinks the field, you know, quite a bit. Um, I hold no ill will, I'm sure. Just like uh, some fan, you know, along the way, maybe caught me on the wrong day at the wrong time, you know, and and probably came away from a, uh, an encounter with me, you know, disappointed. I'm sure, you know, I pissed off Dave O'Brien quite a few times. He's pissed me off quite a few times, you know. We've we've, we've but we're we're cool, you know. I mean, as long as you don't make any preconceived judgments without getting to know me and, 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 you know, what I'm all about, we'll be fine. Isn't that right, Dave? <laughs> hey, Chipper. Hey, um, hey can you talk about uh, overcoming – I heard Smoltzy ask you this earlier tonight too, about overcoming that injury that you suffered early in your career. I remember the night down in spring training, you know, you blew your knee up, but the way you were able to come back from that and the, the longevity that you had after that, because that happened so early on, just worst, how hard you had to yeah. work to do that. Worst night of my life. I mean, it was, it was awful. Um, 94, March of 94. You know, I was having a great spring. I worked my whole life to, to get to the big leagues, and I'm having a monster spring. Um, I, Bobby can probably speak to this. I felt like I had the team made. You know, it was March 18th. I'm still hitting third and playing third, you know, for the Braves. Um, hadn't been sent down yet anyway. But, uh, yeah, when it blew, uh, it was weird because, you know, and I don't know how many people in here have blown an ACL, but when you blow it, it feels like the bottom half of your leg is pointed this way. And I can just remember when it popped, it sounded like the whole stadium could hear it, you know. And I was just relieved that both feet hit the ground. You know, after I hopped up, I was just relieved that both feet hit the ground at the same time. 
I figured maybe I sprained my knee, I'd be out a couple of weeks, just like spraining your ankle, whatnot. But when Bubba came out and he basically lapped the bottom half of my leg over the top half, you know, I knew, I was like, wow, that's not supposed to do that. Um, but when the doctor came in and said, you'll be out the entire year, I was devastated, devastated. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I was sobbing uncontrollably because I didn't know if I was going to be the same player that I was before, you know, before the injury. Um, they assured me that I would if I stayed diligent with my workouts. I think the strike of 94 or 95 probably benefited me more than about anybody else in the game because I can honestly say that I was doing baseball activities before the end of the year in 1994, back on the field doing baseball activities. I would have been tempted. They wouldn't have let me come back, but I would have been tempted to try to. And the strike allowed me to have 11, 12 months of necessary rehabilitation to make sure it was right you know, before we started back up in 95. And, you know, who here in Atlanta can argue with what happened in 1995? So, Chris, I don't know how much contact you've had with guys who played in the 50s, 60s, maybe even the 70s. But when you get up there, um, are you looking forward to maybe those guys telling you and maybe the number, the percentage points it out? You could have played in any era. I think that's really important for guys to, to sort of know and believe and probably hear it as well. I think that would be the ultimate compliment for players of that era to, to look at me and say, hey, you would have you fit right in. Um, I've had some, you know, about the oldest Hall of Famer I've had contact with would probably be Goose Gossage. Talked to him a little bit and I mean, he was great. I mean, he's he's a hoot to talk to. Can't wait to to see him. Um, I think more or less. Oh, excuse me. I think more or less um, the guys that I'm able to was able to see and relate to. You know, what I mean, my guys when I was growing up, being a shortstop, Cal, Ozzy, Larkin, these guys they did it all. You know, um, they were transcendent. They they transcended the game in their respective cities. Cal, we all know what face what the a face of baseball should be like with Cal in Baltimore. You know, Ozzy played on a couple of teams. Same charismatic, just transcendent way of playing shortstop in. San Diego at first, and ultimately St. Louis, uh, and then Larkin. You know his whole career in, in Cincinnati. He was this. He was what Ozzy in St. Louis, Cal in Baltimore. That was Barry Larkin in Cincinnati. So you're talking about. And I was I was fans of these guys when I was 10, 15, 18 years old before I ever got to the big league. So I had no way of knowing that that you know I was going to follow in their footsteps. But again. They, they set the example. They set the bar, and I just I followed. 